Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read in verse 20. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Glory to God. Oh, man. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine according to the power that works in us. How many of you know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think? Glory to God. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to stir ourselves up to the reality that this verse is true. Amen? Hey, isn't it in the Bible? Doesn't that mean it's true? So you think you should believe it or should you doubt it? Let's believe it, right? God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you can even think. I like to do this exercise sometimes. Close your eyes for just a moment. Everybody close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Just close your eyes. And just imagine the best possible outcome of your life. Imagine life at its best. Imagine every need you have taken care of, all your relationship challenges taken care of, any anxiety that you deal with, gone, any physical symptom, gone, everything that you need taken care of. Imagine how good that could be. Have you got a picture of it in your mind? Now, realize God hasn't even gotten started. Realize you haven't even tapped the surface yet of what God wants to do for you. Amen. All right, open your eyes. How cool is it that God wants to go outside the limitations of your imagination? How cool is it that God wants to go beyond your and my ability to actually improve our lives? Isn't that cool? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. Now, I I taught a series on this a long time ago, maybe a few years back. And um, I wanted to, to put together and kind of condense into, a, into like two messages the contents of that series. And so I'm, I'm just going to preach to you a two-part message. We'll do part one today and then part two next week. And I'm just calling the message God is Able. So this is just God is Able, part one. Now, what's cool, actually, let's make our confession of faith before. I almost forgot to do this. Let's make our confession of faith. Claire, are you laughing at me? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'll remember that. Let's make this confession of faith together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe we're growing in the things of God this morning. All right, back to Ephesians 3.20. Now, check this out. This phrase, to him who is able, appears three times in the New Testament. It appears here in Ephesians chapter 3. It appears in Jude verse 24. And it appears in Romans chapter 16 verse 25. And each time Paul uses it, because Paul wrote this each time, 
uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't another author. It was Paul using this phrase three times. Each time he uses it, he describes something a little bit differently of what God said he would do. So here he says God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. We're going to read uh, Romans 16 in a moment, and we're going to read Jude 24 in a moment, uh, and, and we're going to investigate what is it that God said he would do. And what is it that he is able to do? Because how many of you know God is able to do things in your life that you and I are not able to do? I love what I've heard, I forget the preacher, um, I don't remember which preacher it was, maybe R.W. Schombach, I don't remember. Anyways, he said, one word from God can change your life. Amen? One word from God is all take, change, can totally change the direction and the course of your life. The trajectory of your life can be changed in an instant with the Lord. What would take you 6, 10, 12, 18, 20 years of counseling, God can fix in an instant. Wow, really? Yeah, really. What would take you 15 years of, you know, uh, what, what is it that they do when you… Uh, physical therapy. You know, what could take you years of physical therapy? God could fix it in just a split second. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So, so we have to, to pay attention when, when the Scripture talks about the things God is able to do. That our ears should perk up, right? So Paul's using this phrase three times, and he starts by, I love how he starts it each time, now unto him who is able. When I read this phrase growing up, or, you know, through the years, I always thought of it as like, you know, somebody giving a toast at a wedding. You know what I mean? Now unto him who's able, you know, to the groom. That was kind of my way of reading this. But upon studying it and looking into it, it it's, it's important to understand that, that the context here proves to us that Paul is actually trying to get our attention onto Christ. When he says now to him, what he's trying to do is get us to look at him. Now to Jesus. Now turn your attention, shift your thinking over onto Jesus for just a moment. Because he wants to teach us, he wants to show us in the remainder of the verse, what is it that God is able to actually do. Now, y'all with me so far? Is this okay? I'm trying to condense like six services into two messages. So, these are some old notes. One of the things I want to mention, when we read this phrase, the God who is able, now unto him who is able, it seems as though God has limited his ability to those things which are part of his will. I want you to think about that for just a moment. God has limited his ability to the things that he has decided on that are a part of his will. So that when we see God say that he can do something, that he's able to do something, we're also to understand that it means that he will do it. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay, good. When, when we talk about God who is able to do something, we need to understand that when we're, when we're looking at His ability, He has decided to limit His ability to the things that He is willing to do. You say, well, how can that be? He's God. He can do anything. Yeah, He has the ability to do anything, but His will restrains Him in what He will or will not do. For example, God cannot lie. 
right? The Bible says God can't lie. There's plenty of things God can't do. He can't lie. He can't cheat. He can't deceive. He can't give up on you. He can't fail. He can't disappear, right? So there are things that God has limited his ability to, and the scope of his ability is directly connected to his will for our lives. Think about the leper in Matthew chapter 8. Do you remember when Jesus meets this leper? And, and, and Jesus is looking at the leper. I imagine him sitting on the ground in my imagination in the story. So here he is looking down at the leper, and the leper says, I know that you can heal me if you will. And what does Jesus say? I will be cleansed. And he gets up and he walks, and he's totally free from his leprosy. You see, God has limited his abilities to those things that are distinctly a part of his will. That's something we have to understand. Why? Because it helps us. It helps us to know that when God says he's able to do something, it's because he's already decided that he will. Come on. It's because when we see him say, I'm able to do this on your behalf, it's because he's already made the decision in his mind that he wants to. He's willing to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, we, we're like the leper a lot of times. We go, well, I know God can. I'm just not sure if he's going to for me. Ah, you know, I really screwed up this week. I, I, I fought with my wife. I got angry with my kids. I kicked the cat, you know, whatever. Praise God. If you've got a cat, you should be kicking them. You know, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm a dog person myself. So. No, maybe you, got, maybe you got angry. Maybe you got frustrated. Maybe you did something you shouldn't do. And now you think that your activities have disqualified you for the will of God. The reality is that if, if it's in the scope of what he's able to do, it's because he's already determined that he's willing to do it. Right? So that ought to get me excited when I read that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. Because not only is he able, it means he's willing. Amen. Now, let's go over to Romans 16, 25, and then Jude 24. Let's go to Romans first. Romans 16 is right at the, the end of the book of Romans, the last chapter here. Y'all doing all right? Romans 16, 25, and then we'll also read Jude 24. We're going to we're going to take apart Romans 16 today. Next week, we're going to take apart Jude 24. And we read Ephesians 3 to give us a little bit of context, okay? Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able, see that phrase again? Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So what is this verse telling us that God is able to do? Anybody? Establish you. I heard somebody say it over here. Establish you. I mean, you know what? God wants you to be established. He doesn't want you to be, you know, floating off in the winds, just pushed around by all the issues of life that come. He wants you to be rooted. He wants you to be established. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bible says that, that um, the, the person who's, who's unstable is the person who's double-minded. So if you're, if you're pushed all over the place and you don't know what to believe, uh, you know, life's just going to come and kind of knock you around. 
Did you ever did you ever meet an unstable person? Did you ever have to do did you ever have to think about this? Did you ever have to rely on somebody that was kind of unstable? Maybe they weren't unstable like mentally, maybe they were just unstable in that they were never on time for anything. So you said, "Okay, we're going to meet, we're going to go to the movies at 6." And you know, I'm going to go to the movies, I'm going to get my popcorn, I'm going to be standing there waiting by the door for this person to show up, and it's going to be 6.25 before they roll in. Right? Well, see, God doesn't want us to be unstable in that way. God wants us to be established. Now, let's hop over to Jude 24 real quick. I've got like a gazillion scriptures to look at. Jude verse 24 Jude verse 24 says, Now to him who is able, again, there's that phrase again, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, that one's super good. Oh my gosh. Romans told us that he was able to establish us. Ephesians told me that he's able to do way beyond what I can even comprehend or even think or imagine. And Jude 24 is telling me that he's able to keep me from stumbling, number one, and number two, to present me as faultless before God. Wow. How good is Jesus? I mean, man, how good is Jesus? Whew. All right, let's go back to Romans 16. We're going we're gonna to tackle Jude 24 next week. But let's look at Romans 16. I got a Greek word to throw at you today. Back to 16:25, Romans 16. Now to him who's able to establish you according to my gospel. That word establish is a really cool word in the Greek. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. It's the word sterizo. Sterizo. Sounds like something you get with souvlaki. Sterizo. And it means to turn resolutely in a certain direction, to make stable, to place firmly, to set fast, to fix, to render as constant. Sterizo. I love this idea of turning it into place because you know what it immediately, immediately made me think of? Like if you've ever built a, a shelf or if you've ever you know, screwed something into place with a screwdriver, you know what I'm talking about? You make it firm, you make it tight by screwing it in. That's the idea that's presented in this word establish. Now unto him who is able to screw you into place. Isn't that wild? Now unto him who's able to, to fix your life in such a way that you become immovable. Wow. I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of going to church and being flaky and wishy-washy. I'm tired of saying God is going to do something, and then it seems like He doesn't, and I just flake out. Anybody ever been there besides me? You feel like you can't get a hold of your emotions. You can't get a control over the way that you live. You can't get control over sin in your life. You're dealing with all kinds of stuff. Man, it just seems like I just go from job to job, and I just keep messing this job up, and then I go to the next job, and I mess that one up. But it seems like I keep going from relationship to relationship, and I just mess this one up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
What, what if God, by His Word, could enter and access your life and screw you into place so that you became established? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be powerful? What if you became so stable that your family was like, what happened to you? Maybe you're the flighty one, right? I believe that it's God's will and it's it's His desire and it's His ability in our lives to make us steadfast and to make us consistent and to make us constant. Now, let's, let's go look at a few examples of this. This word established gets used all over the New Testament. Let's look at it. First Thessalonians. I hope you brought your, uh, your Bible drill fingers today that you can roll through the pages really fast. First Thessalonians. Anybody do Bible drills when you were a kid? I had to do Bible drills. I went to Christian school, so, you know, I was one of those weirdos. First Thessalonians 3. Verse 13. Actually, let's, let's start reading in verse 12. This is the same word established here. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Well, that's a pretty good scripture, huh? Who wants increase in their life? Me. Verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts, blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of His saints. So here's this idea presented to us again that God wants to establish what? Your heart. Now, there's a reason I went to this verse. It's because of that word, heart. Where is it that God is going to establish you first? On the inside, right? God knows that if He can fix your inside, He can fix your outside. Amen. God knows that if He can get the inside working the way the inside's supposed to work, then the outside's going to take care of itself. See, we're over here trying to fight things in our flesh. I'm trying to be more holy. I'm trying to be, you know, a better husband. I'm trying not to be so frustrated. I'm trying not to get depressed. I'm trying not to do this and that and the other in my flesh. But God knows that if He can establish you on the inside, then the outside will take care of itself. Amen. So where does he want to establish you? He wants to establish your heart first and foremost. Now, go one page over to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to see this word establish again. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Oh, man, this is so good. There's so much in this verse. Now the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I want you to see three things out of this verse. Number one, I want you to see that it's God who's faithful. Even when you are not faithful, even when you are unestablished, even when you feel like, you know, pardon my terminology, a fart in the wind, even when you feel like you're all over the map, God is able. I knew that was going to make my kid laugh. God is able and He is faithful. Even when we are not faithful, He remains faithful. What is He faithful to do? He is faithful 
to establish you and to guard you. One of the side effects of being established in the things of God is that you get guarded. He is able to protect you from things you couldn't see coming. How many of you know when your life is unestablished, when your heart is not fixed on God, and you haven't been established in the things of God, you're pushed all over the place by the world. You're pushed all over by circumstances and the opinions of people. You're pushed from the left to the right. There's no stability. What happens? You're, you're open prey. You're a target. The enemy is able to take advantage of the fact that there's no, there's been no establishing in your heart, and so he's able to come and just kind of snipe you in these areas. But how many of you know when the Lord who is faithful, when He establishes you, what else does He do? He guards you. He protects you. Amen. Glory to God. Now, look at one more verse. This one comes from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 33. We love to quote Jeremiah 33, 3, but Jeremiah 33, 2 gives us the context. Jeremiah 33, verse 2. Oh, this is such a good verse. This gets me so excited. Verse 2 of Jeremiah 33 says, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who, watch this, formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Now, anybody else read this scripture and go, what the heck is he talking about? Anybody besides me? Yeah. Thus says the Lord who made it. Who made what? Jeremiah intentionally leaves this open-ended. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. What's the it? Doesn't matter. It's your marriage. It's your life. It's your relationships. It's the condition of your heart. It's the condition of your mind. It's everything having to do with your life. The Lord formed it to establish it. Put whatever you want in there. He intentionally leaves it vague. Why? So that we could relate it to every part of our life. Thus says the Lord who who made my marriage. The Lord who formed my marriage to establish my marriage. Thus says the Lord who made my mind, who formed my mind to establish my mind. Do you see where I'm going with this? What area do you need God to establish you and fix you in? Insert that into this verse and take it to, take it to heart. Thus says the Lord who made my life, the Lord who formed it to establish it. I love this verse because it reminds me that when God makes something, His intention is to establish it. God doesn't make us to fail. He doesn't design us to be sporadic. He designs us so that he can establish us in his will. Amen. Is this making sense to you all this morning? I just want, I want you to be so encouraged today. I want you to understand that it's God's will and his desire and his ability to establish you in your life so that you are not the person who's pushed to and fro, so that you're not the person who can't make up their mind, so that you're not the person who one moment they're up and the next moment they're down. I've done that in my life, and I don't like it. It's not God's best. Amen. I want you to be established. I want you to be firmly fixed in the plan of God for your life. Check this out. Strong's 4741. This is that word, sterizo. Sterizo. I just love saying Greek words. Sterizo. It literally, to turn resolutely in a certain direction, 
to establish, to make stable, stable. How many of you want more stability in your life? I do. Who, who wants to have their feet placed firmly? Who wants to be strengthened? You know, it's like we go to the gym and we pump iron. Well, I don't, but we, we go to the gym. People go to the gym. I don't. <laughs> I just sit in the corner and quote Greek words and eat Greek food. And uh, Praise God. Amen. Give me a euro. Amen. Um, no, you, you know, you go to the gym, you work hard, and you buffet your body to try to build it up. But nobody does that, or people forget to do that for their emotions. They forget to do that for their heart. They forget to do that for the inside things. And how many of you know the inside's more important than the outside? If you can fix the inside, the, the outside will take care of itself. I, I don't know about you, I want to be strengthened on the inside. How's it, how's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? Go back to... Romans 16. We'll close right here. Romans 16, verse 25. Paul gives us a couple hints here. How are we established? How are we strengthened? How do I drill down? Now to him who is able to establish you, let's read it one more time. Him who is able to establish you, what? According to my gospel, number one. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, number two. Number three, according to the revelation of the mystery. How are you going to get established? How is your life going to take root and be fastened the way God wants it to be? Number one, it's according to the gospel. It's according to what, what is the gospel. Jesus did a bunch of stuff for you you couldn't do for yourself, and you get to reap the benefits of that by putting your trust in him. That's the gospel, yeah. right? That's the message of grace. So the first way that you're going to get established is according to the gospel, which means it's not according to your own works. Oh, come on, talk to me. It's not according to your own perfection and your own goodness. It's not according to you doing everything right all the time. It's not according to you quoting all the scriptures in the right order. It's not, in other words, it's not a formula. How are you going to be established? According to the gospel. Number two, according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus Christ in our church. We preach Jesus. Why? Because his name is above every other name. He's the only name that matters. You can put a thousand names on a billboard, and Jesus is the only name that actually carries any weight. Right? And then number three, this one's my favorite. Now to him who's able to establish you according, number one, according to my gospel, number two, according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, and number three, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. The, the, the third way that you and I are going to be established is as we receive revelation of what God wants us to understand. This is such an important concept. We have to be open to God revealing things to us. Amen? The word revelation is really, really powerful in the Greek. It's the word apokalypsis. We get our word apocalypse from it. It sounds scary, but what it really means is to take the cover off something. Whenever, whenever you see the word revelation in the Scriptures, it's talking about taking the cover off of something. Anybody ever go to like a fancy restaurant where they where the dishes came out to you with big silver domes on them, or at least see them in a movie like Richie Rich, 
Did you watch Richie Rich when you were a kid? And they, you know, all the, all the butlers and the maitre d's and the servers, and they all got white gloves, and they come and they set down the tray in front of you, and then all at the same time, everybody lifts the lid, and you get to see what food is there. They're all food analogies, guys. It's just the world I live in. You get to lift the lid. Tim thought that was funny. Thank you, brother. You lift the lid. What are you doing? You're seeing what was there. That idea, that picture, that word association is what the Scripture is talking about when it talks about revelation. God wants so desperately to reveal things to your heart. He wants so desperately to show you what's under the surface and what's really there. Because you and I spend all our days fighting, trying to fix things in our life, and we might be fighting something over here that has nothing to do with what the real problem is. And so what it requires in order for us to be established is that we get some revelation and that God's able to take the cover off and show us what's really going on. I don't know about you, I don't want to fight some battle over here trying to get victory in my life when the real issue is over here and feels kind of disconnected, but if God could show it to me, I can fix it and move on and get established. I remember a preacher I was listening to one time, and he said, he said that he had been believing for a long time for healing in this certain area of his life, so in, in his body. And he went to the Lord, and he's like, Lord, I've been believing you. I'm standing in faith for this healing. Can you tell me what I'm missing? What's wrong? What's going on in my life that I need to fix? Show me. He was looking for revelation. And God started to deal with him about his love walk. He started to deal with him about how he walks in love with people. And he said, you know what you need to do? You need to forgive this person, this person, this person. And so he said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So he, made, he got his heart right before God, and he went to these people, and he forgave them, and they, and they you know, reestablished the relationship, and his body got healed, just like that. Isn't that amazing? You see, there's issues and there's challenges in our life that we can't necessarily always see, and we need revelation. We need, we need God to come and lift the lid. Amen. Lord, show me what is really going on so that I can be established. Now unto him who's able to establish you. More than anything I want for Christians to understand is that it's possible for them to be stable and normal. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, I grew up in church. I grew up in charismatic Pentecostal church. I've seen everything you can see. Nothing about church scares me at all. And I've seen every kind of person come through a church. And I've seen so many people who want so desperately to serve God, but they can't seem to find a way to get established. And it's one of the things that plagues our churches. It's one of the things that plagues people's lives is they can't find a way to get rooted and established. We say one thing and then life pushes us around and we do something totally different than what we set out to do. That's not the plan of God for our life. Amen. It's God's will for your life that you get a picture from him and you get, a, you get a, an image from him of what your life should look like. You get vision from him on what you're to do and where you're to go and then you're able to go do that without faltering and you remain established. Amen? I, I, I just want that so much for our church and for everybody, really. I just want you to know that God wants you to be established. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be pushed around by life. I was sitting, sitting out on the beach. We were on vacation, and I was trying to 
I was just sitting there watching my kids play in the waves. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but as you sit and watch, a wave, watch the waves, have you ever tried to focus on a wave and then try to like follow where you think that water is? Anybody besides me? Okay. I was just watching these waves curl. This was the last time we were at Atlantic Beach. It was really, really windy, so there was a lot of waves. And I was just trying to, I, I was just trying to follow this little speck of seaweed in the wave and see where it would go. And I was just, I had this epiphany. I thought, Lord, that's what my life looks like sometimes. I'm just like that lonely little piece of seaweed just being pushed around by the waves, getting smashed into the sand, getting moved around, getting going places I don't even want to go. Like I'm just so not in control. Anybody besides me ever been there? That's not God's best for your life. That's not his best for your life. His best for your life is that you be established, that you be rooted, that you be anchored, that you be tied down to him. And it's a beautiful contrast to sit on the beach and to watch little pieces of foam and seaweed get pushed all over the place and then to turn and look and see a pier that's been there for 100 years. Why? Because what's the difference between that little piece of seaweed and that big old nasty pier? It's been there for so long, and wave after wave, the same wave that pushes this seaweed around can beat up against that pier, and that pier ain't going nowhere. Why? Because it's anchored. It's fastened. It's fixed. Somebody drove pylons hundreds of feet down into the sand, and that thing ain't going nowhere. That's what you and I should look like established, cranked down into the will of God for our life. That is so much better than being tossed to and fro. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.